This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demaris, CPA with Carmelis and Associates. One of my clients and I were talking recently about how expensive literally everything in our life has become. And I think we were talking about the grocery store of, you know, just how crazy it is. We don't buy fancy food. I have, you know, three little kids. And just how for the average person, I mean, people are going broke, right? Wages are not going up and these prices just keep on climbing. And what we were discussing is if prices will ever go back to, you know, quote unquote normal or whatever that might be, when you really look at it, I don't think that it's really possible for a number of reasons, and that's exactly what I wanted to kind of talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Napatrax will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A. T-R-A-C-S dot com. So I've talked, you know, at length about inflation and pricing. So hopefully you made it past the intro. But this is something a bit different because even though we've seen historic increases across the board in prices for everything in our life, we've also seen it in our own business as well. Right. As far as the pricing that you've set and how much you've been increasing it. So really the whole episode, I want you to kind of be looking at this, obviously, from an overall economy. But a lot of times people forget you are part of the economy, right? Your business and what you're doing is the exact same thing that other businesses are doing all across the world, right? And these are not only small businesses, large corporations, all the ideas are fundamentally pretty similar. So the question that was posed to me was, do you think that things will go back down to normal? And my client asked me this and I said, no, I really do not think that they will. And I said, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the new normal for most of what we're seeing. Is there going to be certain markets? Is there going to be certain sectors that are going to have pullback? Yeah, but the underlying principles of what's going on there probably dictated that it's virtually impossible for them to ever go back to, you know, what we call pre-pandemic pricing. So when my client said, why do I feel this way? I kind of posed the question back to him and I want to pose the same question to you so you can think about this in your own business. So I said, think back about what your labor rate was in 2019 and then 2020. 21, 22, and flash forward to today, right? Look at your own business, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and see how much your pricing has increased over a pretty short period of time. And so I asked my client, I said, all right, you're wondering about, you know, hypothetically what the entire market looks like. Let's unpack what's going on in your own business. And again, I want you to do this for your own business. Think back why you raised your prices, right? Was this just, hey, people told me to, I think I should. And so I said, why did you raise your prices, right? Imagine if your customer comes in and says, why are you now at 150 versus 100 when I last visited you, you know, three, four years ago? So I asked my client this. He said, there's probably three major reasons that's going on. Or he said two, and then I probably added the third on here. But he said, really, the biggest one that he probably has is labor cost. You know, it is a lot harder to find technicians. I've had to increase prices over the years. And, you know, I want my guys to make more money because not only things more expensive for me, but also for their own personal life and their own, you know, regular things that they're buying on a day to day basis. I need to make sure that they're taken care of so that they're happy. And if they're happy, I'm happy because they can come to work. They can generate money. They can, you know, take care of our customers. If I don't have a team, I don't have a business. And that's the same for my business, your business, every business out there. 
right? You can always replace customers, but if you don't have a team to work on this, then what are you going to be able to deliver? Another thing is overhead costs, right? You know, we sell parts and labor to cover our overhead. So if our overhead is getting more expensive and we do not raise our prices, then we make less money. And so if advertising, office supplies, utilities, insurance, you name it, has gone more expensive, then obviously, unless you want to make more money, you have to increase your costs. So those were his two big things, right? Labor costs and overhead costs. Now, the last one that I added on there is opportunity, right? This is a strange opportunity that we have right now, unlike something that I've ever been a part of. Everyone is almost expecting to be paying more than they had in the past. No one's ever going to come back and say, why is this more expensive than it was a year ago? Because they're already expecting this. And I said, you're probably guilty of this just as much as some of these other really big corporations that saw kind of a bit of, you know, an opportunity there, right? Hey, we can really raise our prices and we have been raising our prices and we have not seen any drop in demand. So they've kind of gotten emboldened by this and say, all right, well, where is that point where people will stop buying it? What a lot of industries have found out is there is not a point, right? And we'll talk about this a little bit later on price elasticity. Hey, raising our cost, raising our sales price on this, but volume is not decreasing and in a lot of cases still increasing at an alarming rate. So labor is the major one here because it is truly transitory pricing, right? Competitive market, you need to pay employees more. And, you know, let's just say for your own business and you probably have had this exact situation. So let's just say that all of your technicians are making $25 an hour. So you haven't had to get a new technician for a couple of years. So you put an ad out there and you get absolutely no hits at 25 bucks, right? Or you get people coming in there, but their big thing is, well, I will be interested in coming to work for you, but I need 35 bucks an hour. And you think to yourself, ooh, man, that's a lot more than what I was expecting. But hey, maybe this is the market. Maybe I am, you know, under market on it. Now, if you hire someone at $35 an hour, you're not going to keep your same labor rate because that means that you would be making $10 less on anything that that person's making. Now, there's even more to this because if you have a new technician making $35 an hour, do you think that you're going to feel very good or, you know, God forbid your other employees find out, hey, this new guy that just came in there is making almost twice as much money as what I am. And so not only do you have to increase your cost for this new person, A lot of my shops have then started updating the rates for all of their current team. They don't want them to be underpaid. They want to make sure that they're taking care of them. And, you know, this is maybe a market adjustment on this. So now we instantly increased our direct cost on every single job. And most people made the determination here of, well, I got two choices. I can either accept a decrease in profitability or I translate this cost right onto my customer. And I've seen this in a direct relationship, right? Dollar for dollar. Hey, I'm going to pay all of my people $5 more. I'm going to increase all of my prices to my customers $5 more per hour to kind of cover that. Now, if you look at that, you're saying, hey, this is a price increase, but you're not actually making any more money. And that's exactly what we have going on here in a nutshell. This pricing for a lot of times for a lot of businesses, it's yes, we are charging more money. But there is a ton of industries and sectors out there that are not actually making any more money. Hey, it used to cost us $50, now it costs us $100. So it used to cost you $150, now it's going to cost you $200. I'm not actually making more money. All of my costs have increased. 
Now, we'll talk about later that there's an opportunity to that as well, right? This is not all going right to your um, employees, right? And we're not going to lie and say, hey, every single more dollar that you're paying me, I'm giving it all to my team because obviously that's just not the case for us and not the case for most businesses out there. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Napa Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, Napa Trax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. To answer his question, going back to what he talks about here of, well, are these prices ever going to go back down to pre-pandemic level? And how I answered that question was actually a question back to him. I said, well, let's use you for example, right? If Because again, what's going on in your business is similar to what's going on in the overall market or other larger businesses out there. And I said, are you ever going to decrease your labor rate, right? This client, I'm going to butcher this, but I believe that he was at about 115 in 2019. He's about 165 right now, right? And so I said, well, are you ever going to go back down to 115? And he said, no. I said, why? And he said, because I'm never going to decrease my employees' pay. So if I never decrease my employees' pay, how could I ever decrease the amount of money that I'm charging to a customer? At some point, am I just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to make less money here, but still pay everyone the same? And the answer is no. And really right there is the economy, the pricing, and the future expectation in a nutshell. I do not think that we are going to see a major correction in most avenues because pricing is a one-way street, right? You can either keep someone's pay the same, you can give them more money, cutting someone's wages, cutting someone's hours, cutting someone's pay in really any way, shape, or form. Is virtually unheard of, right? Imagine if you went out to your team right now and you went out to them and said, hey guys, all of you guys are going to take about a 25% cut in pay. They don't care that you're going to be cutting your rates to your customer. They're going to come back and say, well, then don't cut our rates to our customers. I am not going to accept that. And especially in a market like it is right now, it is so competitive that if you cut your employees' wages, if you listen to this when it comes out on a Thursday, let's say that you sat everyone down on a Thursday and said, hey, come next week, I'm going to be cutting everyone 25%. I don't think that you would have very many people that actually showed up on Monday. Now, what is going to happen in some industries, and we do have some history to kind of reflect on this, is you cannot decrease someone's wages for the same person doing the same job. But what happens if we then have a surplus of people? Right now, there is five technicians competing, or there's five shops competing for the same technician. And everyone, it's an arms race. Hey, how much can we pay this person to get them in the door? Now, the only way for prices to go down is if the roles were reversed. Hey, there is five technicians and it's one shop that they're competing for, right? They don't need to get super competitive because there's more people than we know what to do with. Now, in the automotive industry, the labor market has been tough and it's going to be tough. There is not enough people coming in here to replace the people that are leaving. 
which is where the supply side is always going to be pretty tight in the near future, which is where for the automotive industry, I don't see this happening. But an example of this is back in 2008, I kind of experienced this firsthand, not myself, but, you know, with a lot of my friends that were graduating college at that point. So a lot of my friends were finance majors. And in 2008, it was the hardest market for finance. And we're already starting to see it a little bit now. Because what was happening there is there was obviously a large financial crisis and a lot of people lost their jobs and there was people laying off entire sectors of their businesses. And what we had is before this, they were competing for people coming right out of college, zero experience, paying them, you know, six figures because times were really good. And then when everything came crumbling down, they now had not only college students that were looking to graduate with zero experience. They also have people 20, 30, 40 years experience that for the first time in their life were unemployed. And so now you had someone, you know, fresh out of college that was competing for the same job with someone that had 25 years experience. If you could pay that person 25 years experience, $100,000 a year, how much do you think you're going to pay that college student that has zero experience? And we really saw wages drastically, drastically, drastically fall in a financial industry. Now, the financial industry is a bit different, right? Because a lot of those people aren't actually reselling the labor. That's where they make it up in the fees that they're charging people for these hedge funds and stuff like that. But even there is a prime example, right? Of we did see wages fall. We saw unemployment increase on us, which is honestly exactly what the Federal Reserve is trying to do right now. But do you think that these hedge funds reduced the fees that they were charging these investment bankers? Absolutely not, right? But they had an opportunity. They said, hey, we have a surplus of people. We can get competitive on here. But this is just a way for us to make more money, not necessarily decrease any of our costs to our customers. So some of this kind of segues into the next aspect that we were talking about of overhead costs, right? Of every, if you look at your business, every single overhead cost, you're also dealing with a similar business as well, right? If you look at your insurance company, right? Why are my insurance rates going up? Well, the insurance company has the same issues that we do. There's not enough people out there. People don't want to work. And the people that do want to work know the position that they're in and they're lobbying for higher wages and they're honestly getting them. And we know insurance companies are for-profit businesses. And just like your business, they had two choices. Hey, we are short on people. We're having to pay inflated prices to get people in the door. We can either make less money or we can turn around and raise your liability, your garage keeper, your auto insurance to offset that. And we've seen just that. How much has your insurance gone up over the last three years? I bet you that it's probably even higher than you've raised your prices. We were just talking about this on our client webinar where one of my clients was asking if other people's insurance costs has gone up as drastically as what hers has. She's seen about a 30% increase in her liability insurance, which is wild. But we've seen that on garage keepers, on liability insurance, on health insurance, you name it, across the board, everything is getting more expensive. Why? A lot of this is labor, right? You know, especially for someone like insurance, not selling a tangible product, they're selling people. It's a very labor-intensive business, and that's why you've seen so much increases on the labor-intensive businesses. I mean, and I've talked about this before, but the idea of what we're buying is you might be buying something, right? I'm actually fidgeting with, you know, a little fire stick in my hand right now. I'm paying for this fire stick, but I'm not actually paying for the fire stick. I'm paying for people that were touching this along the way, right? Back down to the dark, dirty industry of, you know, the lithium mine to get the precious metals and stuff to actually make the circuit board. 
to the labor of the people in the factory that are actually making these, which is kind of probably a sad idea to think about the factory that these are made in. But then also there is the people that drive the ships, that have the container, that ship it over here. There's the delivery drivers that take it from the ships to the distribution center. And then there's another delivery driver that delivers this from the distribution center. And in this case, probably Amazon, you know, physically hands it to you. Think about all the people in that supply chain. All of those people are probably making more money. Unfortunately, probably not the people in the factory, the people in the mines, but the people that own the factory and own the mines are probably making more money. But this is what it is, right? I mean, you can see how this labor is affecting you and your little business and expand that out to the entire world. And that's exactly what we're seeing. But advertising, right? Direct mail, same idea. Why is direct mail getting more expensive? There's people printing. There's people talking to you about what kind of stuff. There's people designing these. There's people actually packing these envelopes. There's people actually delivering this stuff and it's all getting more expensive. Then there's also some kind of little bit different cause. And I mentioned it before with the containers, right? For a while there, when we know our economy is a very global economy and a lot of their parts, even though a lot of people try to avoid it, are coming from overseas. And what happens when before in 2018, you could ship a sea container from China to San Francisco for about three grand. And at the peak, I think people were paying 30, 40, even $60,000 for this same exact container. If your transportation costs have went up a thousand percent or whatever that would be, how are your prices going to remain exactly the same? Now, the containers is a great example of what we talked about is kind of the last aspect of this is opportunity, right? And not opportunity costs like we talked about last week. People saw an opportunity to make more money. Hey, we got people where we want them. We got people wrapped around our finger and we can just kind of turn up the heat until they say uncle and they finally stop paying. But what if a couple of these industries have found out no matter how high we turn that flame, it is not scaring anyone off and they keep on buying. So not only are we raising our prices way above what we've had actually our cost increase, but we just keep on going because we've realized that we can make more profit than we ever have been in the past. And the containers were a lot like that. Hey, People, there was monster supply chain shortages. There was stuff stocked up in ports overseas that people have been waiting months and years to get over. So whether it costs 2000 or 30000 people needed that stuff and it said, hey, it is what it is. I don't care. I don't have an alternative, right? If I want to get this stuff from point A to point B, someone's going to have to ship it over here. I'm not going to fly over there and pack this stuff into my pockets. It's not possible. So I guess that's what it's going to cost. And if you say, hey, if that's what it's going to cost then again, I'm going to transition or translate that cost onto my customers. But take a look at the gas prices, right? Oh, our costs are becoming more expensive. It's more expensive for us to ship this gas. You know, we're shutting down refineries. We can't get people to work on the rigs. And we saw gas prices obviously skyrocket. And those were the first thing that we saw, you know, $2 a gallon too. I think the worst I ever paid was $6.75 for diesel here in Maryland. And I know places were even higher on it. But it was craziness. Prices kept on going higher and higher and higher. And what were these companies saying? Our cost, our cost, our cost. So if their costs are going up, which is why they say that they're increasing their prices, if they were being truthful, then we would not have seen their profits go up at all. Hey, costs go up. You're increasing your sales price because you're covering your costs. However, if you have some free time, and I know this is exactly what you would want to do with your free time, 
Go look and take a look at some of these oil companies' profits over the years. Take a look at their stock prices. Just as fast as those prices were rising, their profits were rising even faster and their stock prices as well. Hey, the cost of gas has went up two times, but the stock value has quadrupled and went up six times in value on this. So there is a lot of people across the board that are just making way more money. It has nothing to do with cost. It is just an opportunity. And there was a lot of talks early on on this because we do have, you know, antitrust laws and pricing laws where you're not allowed to price gouge. And gas is a very good example. You know that there is an actual law out there where let's say that there is a natural disaster or a hurricane. You're not allowed to kind of gouge people on their prices. And every single time there's a natural disaster, you hear at least one story about some scumbag that said, hey, I realized I'm the only station in town that has gas. So I'm going to sell it for $35 a gallon because people do not have an option. They're stuck here. If they want to get off of this island, they're going to have to buy gas from me, which is completely illegal. Now, in this situation, what the big argument here was, hey, this is not price gouging, right? Our prices are going up because our costs are going up. And it's very hard to kind of differentiate between the two on it, which is why we see this so much. Another thing is people saw an opportunity with their customers. Because in the past, I would say that you as a shop owner are your own worst enemy, right? Because you're raising your prices and you're just very cautious on your customers coming back and saying something. Why is this getting more expensive? Or if I'm too much, my customers will leave. And what I try to explain to a lot of my clients is your customers are not as price sensitive as you think they are. The reason that I say that is think about it this way. If you're in even a kind of smaller area, there's probably other options for people to go to. And you can probably think of at least a handful of shops in your area that you know are decent shops, right? You're never going to admit they're as good as you, but they're cheaper. However, you still have a good bit of business. You still have a lot of people coming to your shop and hopefully more work than you know what to do with. But if you're more expensive than they are, why are they coming to you? If you actually go out there and you survey your customers and say, why did you choose to come to Hunt's Auto Repair? I think it would surprise you. And a lot of my clients have done this and it shocked them. Everyone, and I'm guilty of this as well, thinks that one of the major kind of deciding factors for their customers is price. Hey, I got to be competitive on price because they won't come if I charge a lot of money. You know, I like sayings, but a great one is good, fast and cheap. You can pick two right? Because if it's good and it's fast, it's not going to be cheap. If it's fast and it's cheap, it's probably not going to be good. You very rarely can have all three. And that's what I like to explain to a lot of my clients. Hey, they are coming to you not because you're the cheapest in town. If they wanted the cheapest in town, they would go somewhere else. They're coming to you because your professionalism, your level of service, the quality of, you know, the communication that you get, and also the peace of mind knowing, hey, I got the professionals. Hey, they're good, but they're expensive. But I know when I take my car there, I'm not going to have an issue. I'm not going to come back. They're going to do it correctly. And I trust their work in this. Now, going out $5 an hour on the labor rate, if you really lose a customer because, you know, a difference of $10, hey, shop down the street was going to do that break job for $410. you are going to be at $420. Then you probably don't even want that customer. And I would imagine that you've probably even never had that conversation. And this is something called price elasticity, right? There are some things that are very price sensitive and there is not a whole lot of price elasticity to it. Let's take something like a straw, right? If you're a restaurant and you're going out there and you're buying straws, on average, a restaurant's paying, let's just say, a cent for a straw. 
Let's say that that goes up 50 cents, right? For your business, 50 cents means nothing. Imagine if you're a straw company going to a restaurant and they buy, what, hundreds of thousands of straws? And they say, hey, just so you know, we are now going to be charging 51 cents for straws instead of one cent. Pretty much overnight, that straw business would see it lose every single one of its customers. Hey, I'll go out and buy sippy cups or I'll tell people we don't even sell straws anymore because that is such an astronomical increase, even though it's only 50 cents, right? Now, if you're looking at your business on it, hey, an increase like that is probably not going to have any major effect. But there's just some things that you don't have any option right? Gas, like we were talking about before. Hey, gas is $3. Gas is $8. Gas is $73. Oh, well, I need to get gas because I need to go to work. I need to take my kids to school. I need to go on vacation. So more or less, whatever the price is, I'm going to pay it. The One of the other major increases that we saw very early on in COVID was the lumber industry, right? And if any of you guys had to build something, whether it was a house or your own shop, OSB, you know, which is exterior treated plywood on it, was one of the major things. OSB is kind of a unique example because it doesn't have a whole lot of alternatives. If you need to frame a house, you need OSB. And if OSB is expensive, and guess you're buying expensive OSB, there's not really an alternative around it. It's not like, hey, we're going to frame this whole house. OSB got too expensive. Maybe we just won't put OSB up. It's not really an option. And so what the lumber industry saw is, hey, we keep on raising our prices. You know, a sheet of OSB used to be $6. And at the peak, I think they were charging $60 a sheet. And an average house has, I'm trying to think of how many we had for our house, but probably hundreds of these. And this is a major, major increase in costs. I mean, you were seeing the cost of houses triple and some builders really getting burned by this because they factored in their lumber package being 50 grand and it came in at 150. All their profit was already lost just on the lumber. But the lumber industry realized, and again, if you look at their profits, if you look at their stock prices, they weren't hurting for this at all. And they realized, hey, we are raising the prices of OSB just as fast as we possibly can, and we have not seen any sort of decrease in demand. If anything, there is even a higher increase in demand for our product at this higher level. And so we've seen a lot of people really kind of, I don't want to say exploit, but take advantage of a situation where they say, these people are going to buy this no matter what. So let's make our money while we can, because there is another aspect to this. And this is kind of where I'm going to lead to wrapping all this up is everyone knows that this is not always going to be this way, right? Make money while you can, because times are not always going to be this good. It's kind of funny to talk to some of my clients that have only owned a business kind of in this COVID pandemic era, because it's been an extremely good time for business. But just like in your business on a weekly basis, there's swings. There's always going to be swings throughout the years. Is every single year going to be better than the last and keep on going up and keep on making more and more profit? I hope so, right? That would be very awesome. But in reality, you know, and if you're self-employed long enough, you've been through this. There's good times and there's bad times. And the way that you make it through the bad times is you have to make profit, set aside reserves and make as much money as you can because times aren't always going to be like this. And this is exactly what we're seeing as a whole in the industry, right? Obviously, this is something that we have seen and we don't think that there's ever an end in sight, but we are already starting to see some of this. Take a look at some of these tech companies, right? Facebook, Twitter, Google, you name it. They're laying off massive amounts of people. Why? Because they saw pandemic level demand for their products and their advertising skyrocket. 
But what happens when some of that demand starts to come back down? They are very labor intensive as well. So they know the only way for them to kind of decrease their costs and get through this was they started laying off people. I think, and you know, we won't get into the politics of Elon Musk taking over Twitter, but last time I read, Elon had fired, I think, 80% of the employees that were at Twitter before, which is could be a whole nother episode on this of it's shocking that you could still have virtually the same company with 80% of your team gone. You know, that was probably an issue that was going on before that they had way too many people. But also, this is the only way to kind of decrease your cost fast enough. Like we talked about before, just like in your business, you're not going to lower your wages. You're not going to lower a programmer's wages either. Now, the last thing on here that starts to get very tricky is we also have the ever-advancing technology. And then the buzzword nowadays is AI, right? Artificial intelligence. Hey, people are getting really, really expensive. But what happens when that shifts and now robots, computers, automation actually start to become cheaper? Now we need less and less people doing this stuff. And again, increase unemployment, you know, decrease in demand for their services. And we have a truly, truly weird situation going on and one that we have never, ever seen in the past. So it's very hard to forecast this. So obviously, this overall idea is something that I find interesting because if you understand the principles behind what is going on, Not only do you get a better understanding, but also hopefully be able to make expectations and maybe predictions for the future. If I had a crystal ball, I would be a lot richer man, but it's still good to kind of think about this because it allows you to make better long-term decisions for your business, right? And I preach this all the time, analyze this stuff, make predictions, projections, and try to make the best move for your business. We have too complicated of a economy and a world that we're living in to just make a random guess. But at the end of the day, it's also very hard to forecast what's going to happen because we have never seen anything like this in so many facets. So I hope that this can maybe give you some guidance on your own business and maybe a bit of a word of warning as well. The ultimate showdown, I feel, will be when demand does start to slip. What happens then? People get laid off, right? Like we're seeing in the tech companies. You can't pay inflated wages if people aren't buying your inflated prices. So as always... Please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.